it's welcome once again to verified podcast uh, podcast uh, held by me your host Vera Luisa Franco a possibility management trainer and coach and twice a month on the second and fourth of each month um, uh, second and fourth Tuesday of each month I hold this space to dedicate to a theme um, under the context of radical responsibility so anything about modern culture next culture any theme is available it's a journey of exploration and this recording is a very raw recording uh, it's recorded live in a zoom call and so and it's not been edited in any way so you're listening to what actually was uh, picked up by the microphone with absolutely no censoring and today as well as the past episodes the verified podcasts have been about this juicy topic that keeps um, wanting to be more and more explored which is the theme sexuality and next culture and so with me today is there are possibilitators people from wherever they want to come from they are invited to be in this space live with me and ask questions or share their experience in these themes. So today we have two possibilitators. I'm going to introduce you both. It's Yurdis uh, and Sky. So welcome. The theme that I want to bring today, so we're still talking about sexuality, is expectations or assumptions or the role that stories play in uh, creating creating adult extraordinary and even archetypal forms of relating sexually and in a little bit I want to also bring a little this distinction between sexuality and sexual energy so this this question that a lot of people have asked me when they were listening to the previous episodes of the podcast so thank you for watching and ha having questions is this distinction what is sexual energy and is sexual energy the same thing as sexuality so what i'm going to answer everything that i'm going to speak about is basically um, based on research my own research uh under the uh under the experiments of radical responsibilities using the techniques the tools the distinctions of possibility management so if you want to know more about that please go to uh, www.possibilitymanagement.org so sexual energy sexual energy is um, a life energy there's there's some traditions other contexts that consider that we have something called the sexual body so i haven't there's it's a theory at the moment it's a theory for me because in possible management we have basically discovered uh five completely distinct bodies the physical emotional intellectual energetic and archetypal each one with their foods each one with their pains and ecstasies and each one with their ways of feeding and each one with their ways of uh, creating intimacy you can create intimacy at the physical level at the emotional level at the energetic emotional or all all five levels and uh, a colleague of mine uh, a few weeks ago asked me this question about is there a sexual body a body that basically interacts with the parts of us that has to do with either sexuality or eroticism or sexual energy and so i've been thinking about this i've been exploring this and it's not been for a very long time but what i can say is that sexual energy is life energy and when i mean with sexual energy why is it called sexual energy why is it not just life energy for me it's because it's very much connected to the senses it's very much connected to the, uh, the to, to incarnation, to being here on this physical domain too. And 
it's not a, a kind of highly refined uh, spiritual energy that one might find or talk about life energy or transmutated life energy in other contexts like meditation or Buddhism or other kinds of spirituality. Sexual energy is a, a life energy that is for creation, for basically for creating things, for creating relationships, adventures, worlds, cultures, babies, uh, so, so many things, revolutions. And they come up, the way that I, that I look at it is that it, the sexual energy is always here. It, it really is born with the baby. And because we don't have a lot of distinction, modern culture doesn't have a lot of distinction about sexual energy, it and, and represses the distinctions of unconscious sexual energy or conscious sexual energy, which means using sexual energy for unconscious purposes, like um, avoiding responsibility, like manipulation or control or um, a domination, or hatred, revenge. These are a few unconscious purposes or using sexual energy or vital energy for what we call conscious purposes or high drama, which is for uh, collaboration, sexual energy for creation, for abundance, for um, community, for um, intimacy, for transformation. Okay. So this would be examples of high drum or conscious purposes of sexual energy. But how do we do that? How do we really use sexual energy, this vital energy for creating high drama? Well, one of the ways that we can start already map is, okay, how is it low drama? How do we map the low drama and sexual energy? And so one of the, I had a, a conversation with a colleague called Marcus Bork about this um, about a month ago. And one of the thing is that usually people just feel an impulse. They have an impulse that they want to get closer to someone. It doesn't have to be your lover or anything, but you want to you want to do something. You, want, you don't know what it is, but you want to go talk to that person, or you want to go sit next to that person, or and maybe there isn't a very uh, clear um, reason why or intention. So this is for me one of the first signs. If you don't know the purpose, it's very likely that you're running some unconscious impulses. Because your impulses might be coming from anywhere in you. It might be coming from your, um, your child ego state, the part of you that is uh, needy and scared and wants to, to be held, um, or that's like, it's all about me. Um, look at me, give me attention, give me validation, which is not bad. It's just the part of you that will always want that. Or it could be from your gremlin, you know, about this consumption of the other person. I want to, uh, if I'm around them, then then I, I'll, I'm I'm going to be bathed in their energy, and I because I'm not creating this uh, incredible vibrance and and radiance in me. So I I want to consume radiance of other people. So it can be coming from all sorts of places. It can be from uh, a need of your. Um, physical body. It could be a need from your emotional body. It could be coming from an emotion, some kind of emotion from the past that tells you at a party, I don't want to be, I'm scared of being by myself. I'm going to sit next to that person. So I'm not so scared. And so these impulses, you, you can check, you can check the purpose. Okay. What is it really? What is it really going on in me that I want to talk to this person? And I'm, I'm presenting this not as a don't stop connecting, even if it's for, from child ego state, even if you're not sure. Um, I'm not saying that it needs to, you do need to do a perfect act. But this is, what this is, is more of an invitation to research. Because your purpose is going to tell you really what you're creating. And if you are using sexual energy in contact with someone as a way of feeding which part of you, you know, feeding the part that creates, un, you know, revenge uh, or defensiveness or 
or survival, or are you feeding this part of you that is about creative collaboration, can just bring abundance into the world? So this is a really big mm, distinction. And I want to, to hear about like what have you explored, if you have explored anything, or if you have any questions about what I just started saying. So any of you is completely invited to, to speak right now. Yes, uh, it's been something that's that's been unfolding in the past few weeks in combination with the Gremlin transformation work, specifically around the purpose that I have personally when being in the environment with people. And um, it came out as a surprise to me at the end, or at least my best understanding right now that there is a purpose and the purpose is, will you love me? It's like, it's like, it's this constant scanning for you and I, you and I, you and I, you and I, will you love me? Will you love me? And there's this constant program running that um, I am not loved. So the purpose is to essentially fill, fill this emotional hole with endless possibilities around me. And out of that, other things happen, such as just kind of sneaking around with my eyes and just tasting all the different parts that show up in my field of vision or having conversations to see what sort of connection there is. So it's this unconscious agenda that I'm, I wasn't aware before that was running and ruling my actions pretty much at all times whenever I found myself surrounded by people. So yeah. it's, it's, really, it's really the notion of purpose, at the very least observing the purpose is really hidden home for me. So it's, it's a, it feels like a big journey from where I am to where, to some place where I can consciously use this energy for creative collaboration. It's one of the things that you described. However, noticing it has already opened up so much. Ah, okay. This is what's going on. So just, just seeing, opening up into the awareness has moved, has moved so much for me. Yes. Thank you, Sky. Mm -hmm. You know this this observation of where you are on the map. We call this that to notice to get a clear X on the map. It shows what what is the healing path, really, because it's not about okay. If this is about this purpose, this nefarious purpose, you know, this underworld purpose, it's not about that's bad. We should stop doing it. We should only all do collaboration, and that's the good thing. You know, that's the good path. No, it's none. None of these paths are good or bad. It's a, but if you want, if you want to have more possibility, you want to um, have more adult, extraordinary way of more conscious way of relating with sexuality, then when you notice the purpose, then you notice, ah, oh, wow, I am, I'm constant, like you said, I'm, I'm constantly looking for validation for people to love me. Okay, what do I want to do about it? Like, how I'm gonna, how am I gonna heal this? How am I gonna uh, so that I can, so that I can move into a space that I'm not looking for people to meet this need necessarily, or to meet this emptiness or this void, you know, that I, as if I'm lacking something. So yeah, so it's a great journey to start on. Yeah, and I want to share that I know kind of both of these things and that it changes from day to day and or even from hour or from hour to hour or something like that it's not from minute to minute but from hour to hour I might describe it and you mean you mean that the purpose of why you're connecting changes yeah, from hour to hour mm -hmm. the consciousness about the purpose and 
what I discover is also to let me inform from both kind of like when the purpose is coming out of the child ego as a need to let me inform by that ah my my child here now has a need from this so without um judging that being aware of it and maybe making a decision yes i can do a healing process but i can also say ah okay this need is fine let's do this and that and make a break in intermediate in, in or, or just be aware of it and switch back to the adult state being aware of what my child ego state also has of needs because it will have probably needs until the rest of my life until the last breath i'm taking yes so being informed by it and um not judging it as you said there's no good and no bad really just taking the information and making a decision i will need that need somehow here or there and making a clear decision within myself mm. cleans already my room or my space and yes. and communicating as we speak about intimacy intimacy and 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 um well you will most likely you want to say something also to to the distinction of sexuality but um communicating those needs to the to my partner or to my the other person i am in contact with is a possibility of clearing the space mm -hmm. and of widening the space or um also of making me vulnerable and by that getting into more of yeah coming into more intimacy mm -hmm. yeah so i yeah, uh, so go sorry yeah so it was a simple it was a simple um it was a really simple thing where mm -hmm. i discovered this new possibility for me by a decision do i want to take some old old furniture of some grand grand grandparents of mine yeah do i want it and to listen to all my ego states to all my bodies to all of them and there was the child but there are so many nice stories with these furnitures ah thank you and there was something this thank you energy or the thank thank you possibility of saying really thank you to the information of my child ego state was new to me in the last weeks mm -hmm. yeah. so i really appreciate when you said this when you spoke about needs you know and and that like you said uh, first of all i want to say that ego states and this this jargon that we're using it ego states it comes from originally from the body of work called transactional analysis and has been used in possibility management to signify uh, any set of beliefs attitudes behaviors uh stories that come that you are identified with so it's a, a state it's temporary and it's ego because you identify you think it's really you and it's actually a set of behaviors or um, beliefs or, or attitudes and so there are child ego state and possibility management we distinguish child ego state parent ego state adult ego state then gremlin ego state and demon ego state and so if you want to know more about that just um, head to uh, egostates.mystrikingly.com and each ego state like you said yours has its own uh needs especially 
the the one that is not adult because the um, the the needs so that when you have when when a, if someone is under the the influence of the state of child parent demon and gremlin you're actually feeling emotions and so as i said in a previous call emotions are not from the present they are from the past or they're from uh, external authority figures it's these pressures these emotional pressures and so it is not really the the emotional part is not really coming from right now it can be triggered or opened up in the present but they actually don't belong they're old baggage and so knowing this or having clarity experiential clarity about this can bring you to this place where where you you're just recognized gosh i have it's my child ego state that has this need and you can go okay but it's just my child ego state that has the need like i i can have choice now that i have this information i have choice and this is the question that i would ask if you're in this crossroads is what do i want my life to be about right now do i want my life to be you know right right now in this interaction or in this decision making do i want it to be about what my child ego state needs or do i want to be about what my adult ego state wants hmm? do i want it to be about the the emotion from the past uh, am i loved am i loved which you know that there's a questioning a constant constant questioning of not being loved or do i want uh to experiment something else we might not even know what the adult's ego state is but we can still hold as gosh this is just a temporary thing that i am identifying with it's not actually real i mean it's not actually really this is just a story in my head that comes from this part of me and and so it, it's a, a wealth of um of possibility to to start noticing the sensations physical emotional energetic of when you are in full on you slipped into child ego state or slipped into parent ego state and started criticizing or slipped into gremlin ego state and started manipulating or or demon ego state and you started collapsing basically and so then you can know ah this is not me this is not the whole of me this is just a part that comes from this emotion and so then it's that's the that's the choice what do i want to make my life about and like you said you can take care of that need as an adult because the child cannot take care of the need the part in you that is child ego state cannot take care of the need because it's it's a memory it's an emotion but the adult part in you the one that is right here right now can take care of whatever is happening in the in your parts as an adult and like you said you're just that creates intimacy because it's happening in the now it you're saying to your partner hey my i'm i'm in a reaction i'm in a reaction right now and my child i'm in total child ego state and i think you don't love me anymore because you didn't make me dinner or whatever or i'm i'm constantly looking at other people so that they can recognize me in the world and and this is to say it without shame just to say it, this is what's happening and i want something else is already in a major step, step to owning it and to kind of okay what else could there be and that like you said it could be an emotional healing process which in possible management is the most straightforward way to bring yourself to the present to go through the emotion from the past from the past go into the emotion feel it to heal it and come back to the present if you do this and come back to the present you are hopefully you're going to be in adult ego state an adult ego state it's a real absence of emotions but it's a, a huge um, wealth of feelings feelings happen in the present emotions do not happen in the present and so you can feel mad sad glad or scared and other kinds of impulses start showing up and this is for me though one of the coolest um or more interesting parts of the journey because in modern culture most of people are you know interacting with each other through emotion through emotions it's not good or bad it's just how it is and when you start 
being in the space of adults, meaning there's not a lot of stories, there's not a lot of judgments, there's a lot of space, there's a lot of possibility, there's a lot of real, just like we say it in possible management, small here, small now, small me, almost the, the absence of my box, of my personality, there's just this consciousness and this space. And the impulse that start emerging are so much more alive, so much more um, non-linear, so much more radical, and and even can, can be archetypal, which is the sixth uh, ego state that I didn't mention before, that you can only access, you can only access consciously uh, and create and maintain archetypal spaces consciously if you are an adult ego state. So that's when the, the cool stuff comes. And so let's talk about sexual energy or even sexuality. If you have an impulse, I want to touch this person or I want to have sex with this person. And the impulse is coming from, you think the impulse is coming from your adults, but actually they say no. For example, they say, I, I, I don't want to do this right now. You can already sense how the response is if the response is kind of unreasonable or this um like resentment or um a, a tendency or wanting to to press the other person or pressure or punish them or or close off because the other person said no then definitely that impulse the original impulse had some of some non-adult ego state in it and so this is not to say that's bad one more time. It's just, it gives you your X on the map. Wow. I was expecting you to say yes to sex right now. Or I was really hoping, which is a kind of a way of, of expecting without so much pressure. But I was, I was fishing for this. I've been, I've been giving you flowers lately. I've given, given you massages. I did so many things for you. Can you not give me this? You know, all these bargaining and manipulation. And so it, it's really interesting to start watching ourselves when we make an invitation to a partner to go on an intimacy journey and they say no. And what's our answer? Because the laws of negotiating intimacy, we're talking about negotiating intimacy. If you're negotiating intimacy as a, in the child ego's day, it's going to be like me, 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 like, you, like what you were saying, Sky. Do you love me? Do you love me? Am I safe with you? Am I safe with you? And then a gremlin could, could be a complete manipulation or consumption, for example. But being an adult, you know, it's, it's a completely set of laws of negotiation. It, there's a, a kind of... When I'm in the adult ego state and I make an invitation, it's just that. There's almost already a lot of ecstasy that I created, self-created, because I have an impulse and I made a proposal. Just by making this movement of, oh, I want this. What about that? Already some, some part of me gets satisfied. And then, and then if the other person says no... There's choice. How important is this to me right now? Do I do it without the other person? And am I able to, to feel the sadness in a, in a way that is not victim? Am I able to feel the sadness of that person said no to this invitation and not be in the victim story that I was rejected, that they don't want me? Can I stay in the sadness, the adult sadness of, wow, this is what, this is what's going on, right? This is so. And so this ability to be sad and negotiate with oneself, what am I going to do with this? No, is a skill that a lot of people don't learn. And it's an it's a adult competence. To, to, to put, like you said, you're just put completely your neck on the line, super vulnerable and say, I really want this. 
And then there's a no. And, and to not close off our sadness and, and be like, oh, okay, fine, which is what a lot of women also do. And men pretend that everything's fine, that they don't feel anger or sadness or fear. And, 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 and be with the feelings. Because, and here's another distinction, is that feelings are for yourself. Your feelings are for you. They're not for other people. And in possibility management, in the beginning, we, we encourage people to say, I feel sad because, I feel angry because, so that they learn how to feel consciously. And eventually, you don't need that part anymore. You just feel the feeling and that it informs you. It's for you. It's not to, it's not to use it as pressure. Oh, I really feel sad right now because you said this. And then the other person, what is the purpose really to say, I'm sad that you said no. And then there's, a, there's a, almost like sometimes an intention to make them feel sad as well, to, to make them feel bad, to make them change their mind. And so to be able to be with your own feelings without making it a, the other person's problem that they have to hold. That is one way that you can, can check. Okay, how am I negotiating intimacy? How am I negotiating sexuality? So I've been having these um, experiences in, in my life of making this invitation and there's a no, and this invitation and there's a no, and there's a no, there's a no, there's a no, and then at some point, okay, okay where's your yes? And I, I, yeah, and, and making it a collaboration. So I, I want to make a little pause here, you know, because all of these steps have this uh, question, you know, all of these, what am I, what is my impulse? Where's my impulse coming from? Making the offer, see how it's, how the response goes. And then the response in us to the, to their, the partner's answer gives us a real X on the map. I actually had an expectation that you would do this. And so it's a real, just this is already an intimacy journey. When people ask me about, I want to create five body intimacy journeys with my partner. And you know, just this is a whole journey. If you really live it consciously, it's not something that happens, you know, in the Bahamas and it can, it can be, you know, but this in itself, there's so much material, so much richness there. I'm seeing that it's like it's landing, something's really landing for sky. Yeah. Is there any question about anything? Yes, I do. I do feel <clears throat> like it's just things are being rearranged and retuned and realigned to, to make different choices next time mm -hmm. when, when these things arrive. And one thing that I found relationship changing is committing to the evolution of the other, committing to the uh, to what's there for the other in the moment when they give their answer. So if I make a proposal and their answer is whatever their answer is, really receiving it from the place of, I don't know what the answer is going to be. However, whatever it's going to be, I'm on your team. I am, I'm committed to your evolution. So, Yes, I'm ready to hear it. Mm. And going with that as opposed to sort of, oh, I, I, I may not get what I asked for, has already created spaciousness and in, in relatedness. It's like, mm. yep, I'm, I'm here ready to face what arrives for me. But before I even go into that, I just yes, yes to whatever is there for you. Mm -hmm. So that's what it's 
reminding of it's it's like an entryway into this into this intimacy journey where for one or for both partners there is the spaciousness of commitment to the evolution of the other so mm-hmm. that's what mm-hmm. what was what i was feeling in as you were describing this thank you scott then then i have a question for this for the group which is because it's it's a very common fear, the fear of being dismissed or the fear of being rejected, you know. Um, and for sure, there's emotional healing processes about it. Am I loved? Am I not? And after a few emotional healing processes and, and initiations to getting out of the child ego state and entering adultness, uh, adulthood, there's a... I experienced leaving this kind of question, am I loved, do I belong behind? I've luckily gone through some transformation and I I feel like I mostly live in a planet where it's not possible to not belong. It is not possible to not belong. And and so I know that this is possible uh, for other people too, but until then there's a whole healing path towards towards uh, sourcing our own love, uh, sourcing the belonging, sourcing uh, value. And so my question is, what are your mm, strategies? What have been your strategies, your survival strategies that you used to deal with the fear of being rejected when you wanted something? when you wanted something with someone, when you wanted to make contact, what were the survival strategies that you used to deal with this? And I, I, I can say a few of mine just first. One of them that I've discovered recently is that I would just make, I have so many offers. So I'm going to just go to the next one and the next one and the next one until something sticks. And it's a survival strategy because I'm already coming with the idea that the person's going to dismiss it. And, and it's more of a, I'm going to, I'm going to say this one and the next one and, and, and aha, I got you. You're going to finally said yes to, to one. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to change all my offers so that you would say yes. And it's almost kind of a game. And, and with the, one of the consequences of that is that I am, when I do that, I'm not really, completely authentic with any of my offers they're cool and i'm a yes for that and there's excitement but i i'm not i'm not i'm not like yes in it because i because i'm so scared of wanting something so much and so bad and becomes so important to me that when the person says no the whole fantasy is gone the whole like potential the whole unmet thing is like it's big so I, so if i don't want it so much then it's okay if the other person doesn't doesn't say yes but what is yours what's your survival strategy my survival strategy is um so i'm more focusing on on one proposal and um, if I'm not really um, in a in a state or a space where I really can deal with the no, and exactly because of any needs or something like that, my survival strategy not to feel the pain and the sadness is then or to rescue me from then that next time is to to pull myself back Mm. and to make decisions like okay i won't ask you anything anymore again and yeah and really pull myself back into the loneliness And then I have enough food for my old victim soup story, blah, 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 and so on. 
Wow. So it's a kind of very, like, it's everything or nothing. Like, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So I'm really pretty black and white. And with that mechanism, I'm absolutely not in the here and now. So it's truly a survival story. And, and where did you learn that? Where did you, like, how, when did it start? Do you, do you, can you, do you know it? Have you researched it? Yes, it started, um, it started pretty early in my childhood. And it was always together with the question of being loved of my father and does he do what I want or does he not do that? And the second thing to um, create myself enough reasons to be sad is I discovered that this is really a culture of my family, emotional culture of my um, family I'm coming from. So mm. as sadness was the common feeling of many of my family people, we were all in this pool of old sadness or sadness on the old map. Mm -hmm. And like that, we had a fake intimacy mm -hmm. or a fake near um, um, closeness, which mm -hmm. is not intimacy. Because it was sadness for victim. Yeah. yeah. Intimacy, victim it, intimacy. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. Wow. So since, since I discovered this pool, I can jump into easily or I let myself jump into easy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, it's it's just an old mechanism. And since I, I got this and I got tools to jump out of it, um, I can deal that a little bit, or a little bit. I can deal it much more easier. Mm -hmm. um, well, to discover it, ah, this is my pulling back mechanism. Joop, I am back into my old pool of sense. Mm. So this is, this is, I just wanted to, to also for the listeners that when we were talking about, you know, sexual energy and, and our stories about it, our assumptions uh, and our stories about impulses, you know, this, the sentences that uh, Yurdis was saying about her, basically her beliefs about what sadness is, which we all carry, you know, from modern culture, that sadness is bad, that means something's wrong, uh, that um, men shouldn't cry, or it's feminine, or it's weak. All of these are stories. They're they're called assumptions, and if we don't go and questioning them, they we we live in live in the really old territory of sadness and so part of the way that our sexual energy or our relating or create a capacity of creation is completely um sabotaged or, or completely manipulated by our, our stories that's one of them you know the only way to have intimacy in the family uh when you were growing up your was victim sadness sadness is victim sadness and so that was the kind of intimacy yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. What about you, Sky? Yeah. What, what would be your main survival strategy to avoid the pain of rejection? Yes, by far, my favorite strategy is to withdraw and not be in relation. Mm -hmm. And the mechanics are usually are like this. First, there's a subtle offer or unspoken offer or maybe a spoken offer and when it's quote-unquote clear to me that the other person is to know whether through again a subtle response or a very direct response then the story instantly comes up yep there you go you are not loved therefore there's no one out there in the world that i can rely on in terms of being loved therefore I'm going to go away and take care of that myself and be with myself because I know when I'm, when I'm with myself, I don't feel that pain. Mm -hmm. I can just, I can just do whatever. 
and then sort of other layers start to come in such as fantasies oh but what about this person what about this person what about this person it's sort of like i know that i'm not loved i tell myself that i can go away and take care of myself but that's not what happens it just it's it's yet another story where if i'm by myself i can take care of myself and love myself however then inevitably this layer of fantasies rolls in when I'm on the lookout. Oh, what about you? Maybe you're a yes. And what about you? Maybe you're a yes. Maybe in, and then it's like um, this sort of, I don't need anyone. I want everyone type of mm-hmm. dynamic um, that, that, that just kind of plays the ping pong as far as the energies. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not talking to you. Will you talk to me? Will you love me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like, uh, and um, the best I can trace it, as far as the point of origin, or at least one of the points of origin, had to do with the, with the family situation when I was very little. And me and my mom were in the kitchen and I was having a hard time finishing supper because of some chewy meat. And there came a point when she got super frustrated with me and basically out of the frustration, the way I see it, gave me this ultimatum you either finish this meal that I made for you or you have to leave this family Mm. and and there was not a second of hesitation in me in that five-year-old me where I'm like yep I'm getting up and I'm walking out and actually did that and I walked out and I remember walking away from the house from the apartment thinking how am I going to survive now like I know that I'm not loved I need to take care of myself how am I going to do this I don't know how but I will find out mm-hmm. so that's um and that 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 has become it helped me to unpack this through the lens of the attachment styles there's this attachment theory where different different styles are exposed so and, and help me to shine the line, the light on on this just kind of instant default strategy of disconnection, withdrawal, going away. I don't need anyone. Mm-hmm. Yet, yet continuing to fantasize about connections and intimacy and love. Wow! Wow! Thank you, Sky. Mm-hmm. I'd like to ask you a little bit more about it. Is that okay? Yes. So if you go really slowly to that memory, to that event, your mother gave you this huge ultimatum. What was the, you know, and, and you said you like, it was clear to you, I'm out of here. The conclusion was I'm not loved. And so that's the decision. I'm not loved. I have to make it by myself. And probably there's more decisions and an emotional healing processes. We, we go into these decisions. And so that, that was a feeling behind it, basically, when you just got up and, and went. What was this feeling? Uh, this, this huge sadness of my heart breaking at the realization that I don't matter. Mm-hmm. I don't matter to such an extent that I'm being told essentially to um, to do as I'm told mm-hmm. or leave. So basically, crush my will, crush my life, uh, crush my very being, and. and stay and have a chance of being loved mm. or or keep keep the pride keep my will keep my being and leave so it's like this impossible choice and of yeah. course like for me um yeah so, so it's it yeah. immense, immense sadness. Yes, immense sadness, grief, and like every every time I, I 
I, I go into the memory, the tears are starting to come up. So it's, yeah, it's, the, it's definitely the, the primary feeling, the, the primary emotion of, yeah. oh, okay. And that's, it comes to this. Yeah. Yes. And exactly. That's this, this heartbreak, this huge, like what? Wow. And, and then the, what I sensed and please check if it's, um, it, it also resonates with you, aligns with you. There was this anger. I'm going to, I'm going to go, you know, because you didn't want to crush that part of you, your pride, or there was, um, especially when you were, when you were talking about it, I sense a little bit of anger too. Can you, is, is that accurate? Was it happening also? Yeah. And it makes me wonder if I'm, if I'm still bearing like this, this anger underneath all of that sadness. When I scanned that memory, it seems like the, the anger was used to essentially propel me out of there. Like I, I, I see myself just standing up upon hearing what I was told, just really standing up, saying nothing, just marching out and opening the door, walking out. And, and before I knew it, I was already like two, three minutes away from the house on my way, nowhere, mm. I don't know where, but really like at least in the moment, using that anger to just like remove me from the situation and propel me into the unknown without even any idea of what's going to come next. Yes, exactly. (sighs) This happens. This happens a lot. And when there's a huge feeling, huge feeling of sadness, even fear, particularly fear, what am I going to do with this impossible decision that oftentimes the child will figure out a strategy and the strat- one of the strategies that work is using anger, so using anger to deal with heartbreak. And then closing off, I'm going to go away. And, and so oftentimes we, we have these uh, feelings that are covering, covering other feelings. So my, that's my suspicion. You, know, you had this huge heartbreak and you didn't mention fear but I, I suspect there was huge fear as well of, of being put in that position of, of choice. How can a child have such a choice? And then your decision, that's it. I cannot trust. I cannot trust this environment. This environment is not taking care of me. And how you translated this into I'm not loved. And a totally appropriate, totally appropriate survival um, decision and to take care of yourself. And so it's part of the, the healing path to, to s- slowly but um, consistently do what Yurdis was saying. You know, okay, do, take care of this as an adult. You know, what is your life? What do you really want your life to be about? Because and to realize that you are not that child anymore. You're not in that impossible situation anymore. You are an adult now. And that strategy worked that time and probably worked more times and you don't need it anymore. And and to really see the path of of healing mix um, accompanied with the path of transformation, meaning yes, it's about healing, but also what are the tools that you're going to develop? What are the competences? What are the parts of yourself that you're going to develop so that you take care of yourself so that you are, that you have possibility in those impossible situations. And, and, and this mantle, this whole old story that you are not loved. Because at some point, these, these assumptions that we create about other people, about ourselves and about the world, these assumptions, they, they have a huge benefit. When we carry them after a while, this, you know, if, and if we have done some healing about it, and they still are going on, then I start to look at the underworld. Because when, when someone's really ready to heal, they're like, they, they go through the emotional healing process and it's almost like a magic thing that happens. They're, they release, they were really ripe. They were just wanting that emotional healing process so that they can move on with their life and choose something else. 
And there, and sometimes the person is not really ready or there's more layers. But then there's another situation where we have done some healing. We know about the process. We know about where it came from. And this is why in possibility management, there's a big distinction between consciousness that in other contexts means awareness. And in possibility management, consciousness is not aware, just awareness. Consciousness is um, it's about responsibility. It's awareness in action, consciousness in action. So knowing about a pattern doesn't necessarily change anything. And when it doesn't, when there's like a huge resistance or a tendency to, to not let go of something from the path, from the past, there's usually a benefit, a benefit for continue to hold on to that survival strategy. And so that I'm not saying that it's you when, I, when I've, I've coached a lot of people into Okay, did they tell me this is not working? I've done emotional healing processes about this. I have, I've been trying to do this for years and years. Okay, let's look at your underworld. You you probably have hidden competing commitments. You're committed to your transformation, your healing, but there's another commitment over there. And so to navigate into the person's underworld, gremlin. Okay, what is the benefit of pushing people away? when things get, I don't know, too close or um, when discomfort happens, when, when I don't get my way or, you know, depending on the situation and, and to start realizing that you know, there are pretty good incentives for gremlin to keep hold, you know, to keep hold of that survival strategy. And so that journey, which is a gremlin healing you know it's a it's a healing through un, through clarity of underworld it's a very painful journey it's a heartbreaking journey of realizing holy shit i've been doing this this is what i've been really creating thinking i was doing something else and so i also recommend that to be part of people's journeys especially if there's pattern that they're not doing and if this kind of thing happens all the time between partners, especially in sexuality. Because it's not just the, the, the tendencies, uh, the behavior patterns that we learned in patriarchy of, you know, sexualities, this for men, this for women, give and take consumption, uh, total fake thing, total manipulation. There's also such benefit for these things to be so. Benefit for grandma course total no benefit for our beings no benefit for our archetypal lineage but so so much benefit for staying small surviving staying in a lone wolf not being vulnerable not giving yourself to to what you really want your life to be about I know we're starting to come to our last part of our call and it seems a good time to make a pause and to see what is what else is there right now in this space. And for me, what is here is this is this, this practice I, I like to have um, at the end of our recording, at the end of our call, a, a proposal or um, invitation for practice. And it, this practice comes a little bit from this, um, the journey that I see a lot, uh, especially online, people who are trying to do a lot of transformation work and they're on social media. And I see all these posts from all these coaches, psychologists, influencers. And it seems that there's in, in modern culture, the kind of path of healing that is about just empowerment. You know, I, I, can, I can do what I want. I can, I'm gonna have loads of sex. Um, I can, I, I, I'm, I'm gonna just follow 
every impulse that I have. I'm going to live my best life. I'm here, you know, I'm, you know, this, this expression. I'm, I'm here living my best life. And that means following impulses. And I think that's an important path, especially if for most of your life, you have not followed impulses. You have crushed every single impulse because it wasn't right. It wasn't uh, what other people were expecting of you. And what I'm saying is that it doesn't stop there. That's just to get you out of the constraints of in your own impulses are bad. And, and to continue, okay, what is it really that you want? What is it really? Do you really want to mix your sexual energy with all these people? Like, what do you want to create with that? What is, what are you really creating? What are you not looking at? And so to know that the uh, healing path has many uh, stations, like has many um, ports of transformation. Like you're navigating into this ocean and you, you land in a port and you work on something. This is what I'm working on. It's um, my impulses, following my impulses, recognizing that I have impulses. For many people have shut down all of these impulses because they were told it was not okay or it's it's low drama or it's white widow so i'm going to close my impulses and instead of okay this is this is where this impulse comes from what do i want to do about it okay so maybe that first station is to recognize that you have impulses and no impulse is bad it just gives you an accurate x on the map and then you might navigate into another port and then it's not about following every impulse but starting to notice okay, what are the impulses that I really want to follow? Not because the other ones are bad, but because I want to go in this kind of direction. And then the next port, and then it's another, you know, it's about um, healing with consent. You know, like I need to be really clear about my consent, but then there's more. Consent is not the end. What about a more radical way of being that is not about if other people consent to you, what, what you are in life? Like what other... What other stops, you know, ports of healing there are? And so the practice there I'm suggesting is to, to really be clear on your practice. Because like Yurdis said, like you, you said, Yurdis, that there's sometimes you, you know, you're here and sometimes you're there. It's not like a clear, I, I moved this, to this other territory and never going to do low drama again. I'm never going to do all of this. It's, it goes in, in circles, right? It goes not in circles, but in spirals. But to be clear, to be kind of clear, what is my practice in relationship to my sexual energy? What is my practice in relationship with consciousness around my sexuality? And, and of course, there's so much to do that we could do, right? but what is the one that is really real for me? And, and for really for a few months, only, only do that, only really research that and, and talk about it with other people. This is, this is the research that I'm doing. Do you have any hints? And people are going to give you, I don't know. Some, some people are going to give you really good hints. Some people are going to give you just plain advice. But it's the purpose is not so much that you have to listen to everything that they say and what they say has a lot of value. It's about keeping the research alive, living in life as if you are a researcher about your own transformation, about your own sexuality. And, and just this this change of orientation from I do sex I do this I do that into a I don't know any like the I'm a researcher I, I don't know it's never like the, the sensation that the, that the what you're researching about is never complete it's never over it's never set and it can bring a lot more possibility because it's then you notice an assumption, a conclusion, and you can question it. And you notice another conclusion, and you question it. So that that's my that's my invitation for a practice for and it's a practice of clarity, of being in clarity and responsible, which means in integrity. 
you notice what your practice is and you, you, you pour it, you live, you live your practice. And you tell, you tell your practice to people, you make that practice alive until you go to the next one. Oh, now it's another question, actually. Now it's deeper into this. So if you, I know this is, um, some practice, practices are more radical, but this one, um, especially for the listeners out there in the world, to, to not do this transformation path alone, to, to bring team people with you that can really help you, can really, you can lean on them, you can trust them to give you clear feedback, tell them about your practice, tell them about your research, really be with each other as colleagues in this transformation. Any last words from either of you? A resounding yes from me to the practice of observing the, the, what's going on, the, the, the other practices, the strategies, the impulses, the purposes, and at the base level, simply being okay with that, not rushing to judgments, good, bad, but simply continuing to cultivate the awareness of what's going on and the purposes behind it. A, a huge yes for me. Yay. Yay. I'm... Yeah. Oh no, go ahead, Yurdis, you say it. Yeah. No, it's, it's, I have the same, yes, that's um, the one way to choose to come out, um, or at least one way this practice to come out of this old mechanisms. And that's, I, I can't imagine anything else than increasing my consciousness. So really awareness in action, as you said. Mm -hmm. In response, in taking responsibility for what is mm -hmm. and what I want. Thank you. And I am currently practicing. Yeah, so thank you. Noticing and noticing the denying forces in me particularly the one that keeps showing up is the superiority so noticing noticing the denying forces in me that show up and block potential transformation or echo even the coincidence the flow of coincidence in the world to be in my life so that's what i'm practicing with my life sexual life energy Thank you very much for being here. And uh, the next, next episode recording is going to be on the 9th of August, 5 to 6.30 p.m. Germany time, which is uh, Central European summertime. So hope to see you there. And bye-bye.